podcast contains mature content. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome to the jury room, where we dissect some of the most heinous, some of the most unthinkable, and some of the most monstrous crimes to ever scar the earth. From cannibalistic serial killers to decades-old unsolved mysteries, These stories are sinister enough to keep you up at night. Welcome back to another Jury Room Aftermath episode. On this episode, I am joined again, which I'm super excited about, by Paige from Reverie True Crime. Now, she's been a busy woman this year, and I'm super excited to have her back on the show. Paige, welcome back to the first-time listeners. Why don't you introduce yourself, where they can find you at, and all that good stuff. Well, thank you for having me back. Um, So my podcast is Reverie True Crime, and you can find me on Twitter under Reverie Crime Pod, Instagram Reverie True Crime, and Facebook is facebook.com slash Reverie True Crime. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming back on. I appreciate it. What are you working on? Anything you're working on? Any exciting announcements that you got upcoming? Anything anything like that? I am currently working on, okay, so I'm going to release a Patreon exclusive episode Monday so I can get caught up on my writing. I kind of fell behind. So I'm going to be releasing the murder of Arliss Perry, and I am working on a cult episode, and I am also working on Angela McAnalty, and she is unbelievably disgusting. Heard I'm of kind her. of rage writing. I have not heard of her. Is it? It's. I'm excited for that one then. Yeah, it's it's very. It's gonna make you mad. Like super mad. Oh yeah. Yeah, most of these cases do though, right? Like it's one of those yeah. things that we're. Uh, uh, I hate this. I hate to use the word, but fascinated by it. But at the same time, it's like that. I don't know. It's that disgust of like, how the fuck can somebody actually be like this? Yes. It's fascinating, but it's also so maddening. Right. And what cult episode are you working on? Okay, so I've had my friend request this for like a year, and I've been hesitant to do it because it's really hard to find a ton of information, but it's called Zendik Farms. Have you ever heard of it? No. uh Uh-uh. Okay, so it's like, I don't even want to, I don't want to spoil it. Okay. Okay, I don't right. spoil it. So there you but go. It's, it's it disguised as like a hippie cult, but um. So, on this episode, we're discussing Lorraine Thorpe. What were your initial thoughts on this woman and her actions? Well, I have first a question. Um, I am so torn because I wonder if she had never met Clark, if she would have been the same person and done the same things what Hmm. what do you think i'm kind of on the same fence it's one of those things that i think it was that obsession with him maybe that kind of drove her towards that you know that that 
almost like she didn't feel loved before, even though, yeah. you know, her father did love her. And so it's kind of one of those situations that maybe she felt accepted and, and wanted in a kind of, I don't know, it, not a blanket statement, but it is at the same time, everybody's first love kind of pulls them in harder than everybody after that, right? Because right. and especially when you're fifteen. Right. Right. And that 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 feeling of, you know, love, like you basically will I mean fucking do anything for that person, especially at such a young age when your hormones are god awful all over the place all the time. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily think she would have done it outside of this person's influence uh but it's always that age-old question of you know were they already predisposed for murder you know what i mean like i know and that's what's so hard for me to figure out about this because you know reading that she was laughing in court and that she was super i don't know if she already had violent tendencies or if that's just something that she kind of developed when she got with Clark. Right. I Exactly. And that's the hard part. Like, think back when you were 15 and your hormones and what you were doing and what you were thinking. I mean, would, could you, not saying could you, but I mean, could you see yourself now looking back, doing something maybe that you wouldn't normally do? because of your hormones because of oh, what you were feeling sure. i'm not even going to sit here and say oh i would never because i don't know right um at 15 when you think that you're in love with someone and you would do anything for them and it's kind of that euphoria of you think you're in love but you don't really know what love is but you think you know this is the real deal and the whole puppy love thing. And, you know, at first I was like, well, maybe it was kind of like manipulation on his part. But then I read and heard that she was manipulative and manipulative. And it's kind of like, what, what do, I don't know what I think, because if she was manipulative as him, then it's hard to say it's just hard to say because I don't know if she would have done this without him. I don't, I tend to think she probably wouldn't. And that's the hard but, part. It's, it's hard to, cause I'm on the fence. I, I kind of lean towards more towards she wouldn't uh, just yeah. because of the fact that she loved her dad, you know, right. that her dad was an important influence. And so maybe she would have done it later in life. Maybe not so young. Um, right. But not, I don't think she would have killed her father. I think that had some influence from, you know, the people that she was keeping. Yeah. Well, what do you think about Rosalind and how she really, how Lorraine really participated in that so much and kind of laughed all through court about all of this, like her trial, she was laughing about it. That just, uh, it just adds another element to me. Like, how can you be so cruel when I'm sitting here trying to think she's not, she would not have been this kind of person. But at the same time, she participated in so much of Rosalind's murder. And it's that pure 
coldness, you know, the, the lack of empathy. And those are, you know, the, the traits of a sociopath. And there's a lot yeah. of high functioning sociopaths. And, you know, they, they say that you have to be a sociopath to be a CEO, basically, because you can't have feelings. Mm. There's no, you're not allowed to feel anything towards the people that work for you. You know what I mean? And you see that yeah. a lot in business, but you know, it's, it's those sociopathic tendencies that make you wonder, you know, this was what she was, you know, wanted to do. And, and whether it be, he egged her on. I mean, obviously she had those thoughts and again, yeah. it, and we don't know what was said, like during the, during, during those moments did he say, well, if you love me, you'll do this. You know, we don't know. Right. And she, I'm just saying that teenagers are very impressionable and if they think they love someone and they're caught up in a terrible situation, you have that person telling you, well, if you love me, you'll do it. Or if they're egging you on, you'll kind of go with the flow. So. And that's the hard part too, is because, you know, I think back to when I was a teenager and, and going through my, you know, going through puberty. Cause I mean, you really don't stop going through puberty until you're in your mid twenties and your emotions are so just like, chaotic you know it's it's almost like you know one minute it's hot one minute you're cold you know and it's so on and so forth and and like you said manipulation is very easy at that age being able oh, yeah. to persuade somebody to do something that you want it's it's easy because that person's like almost willing to just do anything for you yeah, and I think teenagers too just in general can be super manipulative too because so they're trying could... to get what they want. Yeah, and I felt bad for for Rosalind too because she took care of her, you know? She wanted to almost like take her in and she still ended up, you know, dying and and I get, you know, animal abuse is bad all around. Oh, like yeah. that's not good. Um but to try to protect somebody from an attacking animal is different from animal uh, abuse, right? Yeah. It's not the same thing. Not at all. And so I, the fact that this all stemmed off of an argument over something she literally could not control or do anything about, and it escalated to that, it's so wild. Right. I didn't know uh, an argument could lead to death. That's not an <laughs> argument I want to be a part yeah. of. Yeah. Yeah. Me either. So, but yeah, Rosalind, that was sad. And they, they, the, it's that brutality thing. They were extremely. There's a lot of rage there. Yeah. And it, what's your thoughts on that? Like, what do you think that says about them? So she told the police that, you know, you're going to find my footprint on my father. And uh, I don't know. There's just something really evil about that. And uh, just to laugh about it. I don't know. That's just next level to me. Right. The brutality of going back and torturing Rosalind over the course of days. days. Right. And then, okay, the one thing that pisses me off is that the next door neighbor to Rosalind called the cops and said that she heard all this stuff. Why is it not common sense? Because I've heard this so many times that when a police officer shows up and they start knocking on the door, but they don't hear anything. They just walk away. Like, do you not 
think that the person is possibly in there dead and that's why they can't come to the door. Okay. That pisses me off. So I am not in any way, shape, or form excusing that, but you have to remember, right? What? What? You have to remember. Well, this happened in England, so I don't necessarily know what their laws oh, are, true. right? But here in America, right, we all know mm-hmm. that the cops can't just enter your home, mm-hmm. right? Like they need to have probable cause. And just because somebody doesn't open your, doesn't answer the door, doesn't necessarily mean that something's wrong, right? Yes, but... But hindsight's always 2020, right? How many people could be saved if the cops came to the door and they would have just opened the door, right? A lot of people. I'm not disputing that. Yeah. Right. But what if nothing was wrong, right? And now the cops just opened your door. A, it's an invasion of privacy. The police, by any means, stretch of the means, does not do what they're supposed to do, right? There's a lot of mm-hmm. cases where they, do, they don't do what they're supposed to do. There's a lot of misconduct. And there's a lot of uh, investigations that they don't do their due diligence on. I'm not saying that, right? But uh-huh. if we want to protect our freedoms, right? Some of the mm-hmm. ways that we have to protect our freedoms is they have to have probable cause. You know what I mean? That's what, that's what separates us from, from us from a lot of countries. Yeah, that's true. That is true. That is true. Right. I agree with you there. I do agree. So it's just a matter of it's hard because it's kind of like because uh, we're looking of, at it now, right? And we know that she was in there, passed away. But what if she was in there having sex and the cops just opened the door and now she has PTSD from having sex? True. Right. See. So yeah, it's like true. It's that. It's a hard, it's a fine line. That's the, that's the hard part with, with our legal system. And it's not perfect by any stretch of the means, obviously. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of like freedom of speech though, too, right? I've argued with this with people a lot and people might not like my, my stance on it and that's fine. But if in order to have freedom of speech, you have to take the good with the bad, right? Now, I'm not saying that people are allowed to open openly talk about pedophilia or talk about it at all. Cause obviously that's not something you should be talking about. Right. Cause we're going to go extreme cause that's what people right. do. Yeah. But if somebody says a bad joke or says something that you don't like, that doesn't mean that they shouldn't be able to say it. Right. Because that's not freedom True. of speech. Freedom of speech is being able to say what you want, whether you like what they're saying or not. Now, do you have to agree with them? No. But you do have to allow them to say that because that's their freedom. You know what I mean? Yeah. So what are the most um, fascinating parts to you about this case? As far as like overall, what's the thing that fascinates you the most or something that you just have a hard time grappling with about it? I think the fact that she killed her dad, to be honest. I think that part really like fucked me up because it's kind of like we've all had that one person in our lives that are like not saying that everybody else didn't mean something to you, but there's always been one person in your life that has like just helped you like inside. You just held them really close, you know, and 
Um, I think when she she and Clark went and killed her dad, I think that really like it was shocking. It was eye opening because then it it kind of took her from, in my opinion, in the light of you know was she pushed into doing it to maybe you know she was a part of it um because yeah. you can't even in the throes of of love at 15 and your your hormones i mean you still have to know the difference between right and wrong and killing oh, somebody sure. who you loved especially like well killing anybody in general but killing the father who was a very you know strong point in her life yeah. i don't know that for me it, it really stuck out what about you yeah, I have to agree because when, okay, so they were a part of this, like, street drinkers mm-hmm. thing, and so, you know, he overheard what was happening, and he said he was going to go to the police, and do we know whose idea it was to do this? I don't. It just says, basically, you know, that they were going to, I think it was Clark's idea. Okay. Because well, Clark didn't want to go to, you know what I mean, go to jail. Yeah. But still, like, I cannot imagine somebody saying, well, we've got we've to kill your mom or we've got to kill your dad now. And you do it. Like, and that's somebody that has loved you, that has been there for you. They only want good for you. And it just, I don't know that, that is shocking to me and I can't understand it. Right. And it's also, you know, the fact that her father wasn't even a healthy individual to begin with. Oh my gosh. I know. Because addiction, you know, is definitely something that destroys somebody from the inside to the outside. I mean, just all around just destroys them if they don't you know what I mean, get the help that they need. And and her father was already, you know, deteriorating because of the fact of his addiction to alcohol. Yeah, and I feel like she's at the age of 15 where you recognize that and you know that. Right. And you definitely, you definitely know right from wrong at this point. She knew what she was doing was wrong. I just, I cannot wrap my brain around that at all. And, it, you know, and it's one of those things that, and she wasn't like she had to be coerced into, you know, this plan, you know, because she was beating and stomping her own father. Yeah. I mean, what? I can't even imagine what was going through her head at that point. Me either. And I don't know if it, if she was, well, I think clearly she was already a little messed up in the head, but then to tell the police, oh, yeah, you're going to find my footprint on my father and laugh. And she laughed to the police. She laughed all through the trial. It's, it's like, at first, I also wondered, it's kind of like how people laugh at funerals. Like, it's a nervous tick kind of thing. Right. And I was thinking, is that something that could be a possibility? Or was she really like laughing truly at the situation and that's the hard part it's she was probably laughing because somewhere deep down inside she got some sick satisfaction from it oh yeah you know um people who laugh at funerals uh that's just uncomfortability you know of, of 
I don't necessarily think it could be the same thing, but you know, maybe it is, maybe she didn't want to face what she had done. And so her natural reaction is to try to laugh it off, try to make it go away, you know? Yeah, that's true. So that's true. Yeah. This is the case though. It's, I don't know. There's a lot of different inner workings to it that, you know, we're not really necessarily privy to, you know, but it definitely sounds like she was a part of it just as much as he was. Oh, yeah, 100%. You know, just because we don't know, you know, what was being said between the two, like, the whole time, um, just the whole picture of it is vile and evil. Right. What's your thoughts on her getting out of prison and shit two years almost little over two years i don't know because that is it's scary but if the prison system does what we want it to do which is rehabilitate then we have to hope that they make a good judgment on this and it's terrifying. I don't know. I don't know. It always kills me when children commit a murder and then, you know, then they get out. It's like, I don't know. I really am torn with it because what she did was so brutal. So now I don't know if she, I mean, I guess she has, the capability to do things like that again but i don't know how do you how do you know if someone's truly rehabilitated or not that's the hard part right it's that it's a game of well let's wait and see right right i can't remember his last name but i saw something shout out to murderific i saw her post about it the other day uh, but there was a killer back, a killer kid. I think he was 80s or 90s. He, I remember seeing him Eric, as a kid. Eric Smith? I think so. The little redhead with the glasses, the freckles. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. he's getting ready to get out soon, too. And it's like, no. it, that's, I'm torn because I'm like, our prison system is fucked. Like, our, 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 our prison system is a joke in itself. Um, yeah. So it's not, it's hard to say who deserves to get out and who doesn't because it's not like they're actually being rehabilitated. It's all about profit and, and money. And that's, oh, yeah. um, that's unfortunate, you know? So, but I feel like, yes, most people deserve a second chance. But when you commit such a brutal act, it's hard it's hard for me to feel any kind of empathy for them to let them out. You know what I mean? Even as a child, like it's still, it's like you took a life and yeah, they have to live with that for the rest of their lives. But what if they don't feel bad? What if they don't have that part of them that lives with regret? Exactly. And it's hard to know that because they'll say anything to get out of prison and they will do anything. Everybody finds Jesus in prison. Oh, God, don't they? I think my (laughs) uncle found Jesus 147 times, and he would write me, like, these Bible verses. And when he would get out, it was the same thing. And I was like, but you just wrote me 10 pages of how Jesus changed your life. Like, (laughs) 
What is happening? Jesus only changes his life in prison. Yes. It doesn't count outside. I swear to God, every time. And uh, rest in peace to my uncle. Like, I love him to death. But, yeah, every time he got out of parchment, which is, like, Mississippi's, like, infamous prison, he would just write me pages and pages about... Bible verses and Jesus and I'm going to change when I get out and you know I've seen the light and all this stuff and then he gets out and it's right back to doing what he was doing and then it's the same thing when he goes back to prison and I was just like yeah okay after like two or three times yeah no (laughs) yeah that's and that's the hard part is is you really don't know what people are thinking on a more deeper level other than they're just, you know, our species is designed to survive at all costs. Yeah. Right. So we will do and say anything in a box to get ourselves out of it, to survive it. Right. So it's hard to say, you know, if somebody who kills when they're a child deserves, you know, to be let back into society to, you know, yeah. so I'm, I'm torn too. I really don't know. How I feel, I think it's stupid. Um, I think it's reckless because uh, how many times have we seen somebody get out who've promised to be good and end up killing yeah. again? Um, so I don't know. It's hard. It's yeah. Uh, it's definitely taking a chance when we don't know if they've really changed or not. Right. The the unknown, unfortunately, the 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 unknown is what's the scariest, right? Yeah. All right. Well, Paige, thanks for coming on. Do you have any final thoughts, any hot takes on this on Lorraine Thorpe before we go? I don't think I really have any hot takes. I just think that I'm really nervous for her to get out. And yeah. I hate to say it'll be interesting to see what happens because that doesn't sound very good, but you know, I hope, I hope for everybody's sake that she has learned a lesson since she was a teenager being in prison. I hope that it has changed her life. I hope that she is remorseful and I really hope that it goes well just for, you know, everybody else that's going to be around her, you know, so we'll see. (laughs) Well, scary, but right. And it's kind of, it's, it is a, it's that the fear of the unknown that, you know, humanity in itself is already all already scared of anyways. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So why don't you go ahead and plug your podcast where they can find you at all that good stuff. So my podcast is called Reverie True Crime, and Twitter is Reverie Crime Pod. Instagram is Reverie True Crime, and so is Facebook. And don't forget, she's got new episodes coming out. How often do you release episodes? Every Monday. Every Monday. So there you go. You guys definitely should go check out Paige. Paige, before we go, Mm -hmm. I've already asked you my normal question, so I can't ask you that again. Okay. Let's see, because this is a split decision, and it's usually one extreme to the other. I'm scared. (laughs) (laughs) Should does pineapple belong on pizza? Hell no. (laughs) 
Don't no. don't no. shoot me. Shoot her, people. <laughs> uh, and for the record, I am on the same take as you. Pineapple does not belong on pizza. It's not yeah, a topping. Please don't at me about this, people. <laughs> I I just have my opinion, and it's oh my god, that just seems so gross to me. Well, there you have it. Paige is not a pineapple on the pizza kind of person. Paige, no. thanks for coming on and discussing Lorraine Thorpe. I appreciate it. And Thank hope, you for having me. Of course, and I hope you have a good day. You too. Bye. Thanks for listening. And remember, you never know what's lurking in the shadows, lingering around the corner, walking past your house at night. So watch out. Stay safe and keep listening. This has been The Jury Room.